Now here's an awesome quote. It amazes me how people are often more willing to act based on little or no data than to use data that is a challenge to assemble. Robert Schiller. So what is the data? Well, we went to the man himself, the best-selling author, American economist, professor at Yale University, and Nobel laureate, Robert Schiller. He's joining us on this week's podcast. Are you ready? It's the On The Money Podcast with Jerry and Nick Royer. Authors, radio show hosts, TV personalities, retirement wealth coaches. On The Money with Jerry and Nick Royer starts right now. Welcome back to the On The Money with Jerry and Nick Royer's show. I'm excited uh, about this. You know, Dad and I have a very special guest with us on the show today. We're joined by Professor Robert Schiller. He's a Nobel laureate. He's a professor of economics at Yale University. And you've probably known him because he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's the author of Irrational Exuberance and his newest book, Narrative Economics. And that just came out this year. So, Professor, it's great to be with you today. It's a pleasure for me, too. I want to start with this shocking statistic that 10,000 baby boomers are retiring each and every day. How ready do you think this generation is for retirement? Well, I think we're more ready for retirement on average than 100 years ago, but it still isn't good enough. A great many people are retiring with virtually no savings, or the saving would be just in their house, so they're called house poor. You know, I, I think people today are not so eager to move in with their children and <laughs> that their children support them, which is what used to be very common. So I think they're ready for some disappointment. They'll run out of money before they die. Yeah, and I know that that's one of the biggest concerns of people entering retirement is running out of money before they walk out on life. Never concern some people have is what's the real state of the economy today? Interest rates aren't what they used to be. We have bond yields at historical lows. Stocks seem to be getting more volatile. Obviously, as people near retirement, they need to change their mindset. But how? What do they need to change? Well, I think there's a lot of differences of opinion about that because we don't know the future. The usual statement is that retirees have to plan for a less risky investment because they can't, uh, they can't endure the downturns in the market uh, where they'll be suffering more because they don't have labor income. And in, well, some of them do. Retirement is often partial, but those who are totally retiring will not have labor income. And uh, what do they do if there's a collapse in the markets? So what, what, what can we do anticipating that risk? I think uh, the best thing to say is you want to diversify your portfolio. Uh, and uh, avoid reliance on any one asset class, and you, you'll probably do all right. <laughs> and you, you'll make it through the hard times. You know, and as they say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. We talk a lot on the show about why it's important to have true diversification, not just owning 50 stocks, because that's just one asset class, but investing in many different types of investments. Now, you just mentioned that those people in retirement aren't able to endure those downturns in the markets. So we're planning for retirement and we do see an uptrend, you know, an up market. A lot of people feel they have to go all in and every dime they own should be at risk in the market because the market's up. What's your thoughts on that way of thinking? Yeah, well, that's, again, a, a question that you'll have many different opinions on. Uh, I would say 
uh, don't overinvest. I've already said that. Diversify. This brings up an interesting thought. There's an election coming up. Mm. And in the past, I've seen elections influence what the market does. But we all know it's not just elections. There are natural disasters. We have international conflicts. Why is it that the markets can so easily be affected by all this noise from outside factors? Okay, that's controversial. (laughs) So many things are in economics. But I think that uh, the main reason is human psychology. If you look at the major market moves, uh, they're not justified by what happened you know, the, the efficient markets view, which has been very popular, I think it's losing its popularity, says um, it's all due to fundamentals. There's always some fundamental reason. So the stock market crash of 1929, they would say, happened because people saw the depression coming. But I think that isn't right. They didn't see the depression coming until after the stock market crashed, and then they got scared. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit hard to generalize from history. History is so complicated. But I think we've learned that there are risks that we shouldn't be too intimidated by them. You know, even during the Great Depression, most stocks survived. Even the the Dow Jones 30 industrials, they all survived. They didn't go bankrupt. There were famous bankruptcies. And that was the worst depression ever. So I think people have to avoid being too fearful, but at the same time be practical and to diversify. It goes back to the human psychology you mentioned. There's a lot of noise out there. There's the internet, you know, 24 seven news and people are always speculating about when the next crash or recession is going to happen. In your research, how much are consumers really affected by what's being said in the news and the media? And does that really affect what the market does? Yeah, this is the subject of my new book, Narrative Economics. Narratives are stories with the moral, stories that change the way you think about things. Uh, Economic narratives are things that make you not want to spend money uh, or invest uh, as you had. And those things do... uh, Now, it's hard to prove in a court court of law that that it feeds that. But I, I think I have a pretty good case that psychology feeds back and the narratives feed back into the markets. Uh, And uh, we have to watch uh, narratives as they develop. One very important narrative is about confidence, that markets are affected by confidence. It goes back to uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's famous uh, speech in which he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So people are looking at each other trying to decide, are we fearful now? (laughs) And if they're fearful, we'll get fearful. That's unfortunately human nature. Right now, we're doing all right. (laughs) Let's hope it continues. You're right. There's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people who tend to watch the news, and then they hear a news story that sounds bad, so they try to time when to get out of the markets. And we saw this in the last election. People were getting out of the markets because they thought there might be a crash that obviously, right, never happened. And we talk a lot about uh, creating a solid financial plan that can weather any economy, both good and sour markets, and then just sticking to it. So if you're truly diversified, then you shouldn't be needing to watch the markets day in and day out. Yeah, so uh, you can ask about the average uh, person. Probably they shouldn't get too involved in worrying about the markets. They should just diversify. They should also consider getting a a financial advisor. 
you know, you don't have to actually do a regular uh, monthly meeting with your advisor, but having a meeting or two to just go over what you're doing, I think makes good sense. In the long run, it may be all worth it. So what about folks who are already retired? Are there any trends you're seeing or anything you're anticipating that might have an impact on these retirees? Well, one thing that we have is very low interest rates. And a lot of retirees have been investing in uh, fixed incomes because they're risk averse. And it's true, they should be somewhat risk averse. After you retire, you're more vulnerable. But some of the retirees have a rule of thumb that they will only consume the interest from their bond and uh, money market portfolio. Uh, that's going to be a disappointing strategy now when interest rates are so low. So maybe they have to uh, rethink that. Maybe a financial advisor could help them rethink that. Again, folks, we are joined by New York Times bestselling author, Noble uh, laureate and professor of economics at Yale University, Professor Robert Schiller. And Professor, you're right. Uh, this certainly isn't the early 80s where you can go down to the bank, get a CD that pays 11%. <laughs> Those days are gone, right? And interest rates are low. I mean, they're pitifully low now. Uh, so people feel like they have to be in the stock market to get any returns. Is there any good news to this picture that I've painted? Well, this isn't exactly news, but I'll call it good news. The good news is that the U.S. economy continues to grow. If not at breakneck pace, it's growing up. You know, something, it's probably up at 2% a year uh, in coming years. And that means that America is getting wealthier and wealthier. And ultimately, that's going to help. Uh, there'll be more support. The, the, the downside is that medical, pro- it's not a downside, medical progress is extending life expectancies. You might live to be 100 years old. You better plan for that. I think that there will be some uh, social welfare that will help protect you. You have to carry kind of a mind about it, that it's, it's not going to be amazing and it's not going to be horrible. You'll get through it. Uh, but the good news is, yes, our economy is growing. And uh, we are not in a period of war or famine or anything like that. Professor, I've said it for years that traditional pensions are going by the wayside. Not many people have them anymore. Most people like the idea of having a dependable, reliable income stream that they can't outlive like the pensions of old used to provide. Is there any way that we can try to achieve that in the retirement era that we live in in the 21st century retirement? Well, there are products that help you uh protect, as you say, give you an income stream. I'm thinking of fixed index annuities. We also have target date funds that would uh, gradually on their own shift your uh, investments to less uh, risky portfolio rather than have you try to manage these complicated markets yourself. As you approach your retirement date, you might forget to downplay the stock market relative to the bond market and then you might get caught in a crash if you don't have some professional investors managing the, the dynamics of your portfolio. So again, I think one should have advisors and one should invest in products for people anticipating their retirement. So when it comes to looking into those types of investments and strategies that are available to create a retirement income, is this something that pre-retirees can go out and find on their own? Uh, yes. Well, you can search the web and find things. That's what most people do. They also ask their friends for recommendations of who uh, who to talk to. 
But I still think that getting a, a, a ask your friends for who would help advise you in your portfolio, who has been helpful and who seems sincere and genuinely uh, disinterested. That's the lesson I would draw. We tell people to look for that trusted financial advisor who can help you. Make sure that they act as a fiduciary for their investment clients. You know, that's something that we believe is key. Now, you mentioned longevity. And in my opinion, this is a huge risk to retirees. It's one of the reasons so many retirees are running the risk of running out of money in retirement. These days, we're living much longer than ever before. And you mentioned age 100 which almost sounds amazing, but it's happening and you don't want to run out of income. So if someone wants to help ensure that they'll have the income they need throughout their life, no matter how long they live, what's something that you see as a third party observer that works for accomplishing this? Well, one thing is an annuity, a life annuity is does exactly that. It can have a simpler form. It can have a very simple form that just guarantees an income. And if you live to be 200, it's, it's supposed to do that. No one lives to 200. Uh, I suppose there are always some re- residual risks. But I think there has been a lack of, uh, a relative lack of interest in annuities as a protection for running out of uh, wealth before you die. That is a problem that every single human being shares. So you, we should see 100% participation in these markets, and we still certainly don't. Well, having been in the financial world for now 54 years, I've seen all sorts of different types of annuities over the years, some good and, you know, some bad. And annuities as a whole have evolved over the years. Why do you think there has been such a resistance towards annuities? And do you think it's always going to be this way or do you feel that it's changing? Well, I I think there's a trust problem. People feel they don't want to tie up their money and in one asset, looks a little strange, <laughs> unfamiliar. Are the neighbors doing it? Well, maybe the neighbors are. There are a lot of people buying annuities, but uh, percentage-wise, it's not uh, dominant. Uh, people still manage intuitively with uh, with little uh, guidance from experts. So it's uh, it's a conservativeness that people have in their investments, even investments that are, look very well designed for them. They miss them. So it sounds like these type of financial tools can play an important role in total holistic retirement plan. As you said, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. We talked about that earlier. This can be just one piece of what is really a well-diversified total retirement plan. Am I right? Well, uh, Mark Twain is alleged to have said, put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. Uh, maybe he was quoting someone else, <laughs> but it's a great phrase. The problem is you won't watch that back. It's human nature. Watching investments is a job for professionals. I've said it before that retirement planning isn't a do-it-yourself type of thing. You have one chance to do it right, and retirement isn't the best place to test things out through trial and error. Mm. Um, you know, It can be a full-time job, and that's no way to enjoy your retirement. It goes back to your advice to get that trusted input and guidance along the way on your journey to and through retirement. It's been a real pleasure to have Professor Robert Schiller on the show with us today. Look for his book, Narrative Economics. You can find that book wherever books are sold. And Professor, again, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate your visit. My pleasure too. Okay, folks, stay tuned because we're going to be right back in a few minutes to talk about some of the key takeaways from our interview with Professor Schiller as we wrap up the show. 
We are now living with the lowest income tax rates of our lifetime. But I've got news for you. It's probably not going to last very long. The hosts of the On The Money Radio Show, Jerry and Nick Royer, have created their Retirement Rescue Toolkit that will show you several strategies they use with their clients to position themselves for a completely tax-free retirement. To receive a free copy of their Retirement Rescue Toolkit, including their new book, Diffuse, The Seven Steps to Saving Your 401k from the IRS, text the word RETIRE to 31996. Again, retire to 31996 or call now 800-691-3372. Your 401k and IRA are a ticking tax bomb waiting to explode. Learn seven simple steps to help ensure you never pay a dollar of unnecessary taxes in retirement. Text the word retire to 31996 or call 800-691-3372 for your free retirement rescue toolkit. Investment advisory services provided by Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the On the Money of Jerry and Nick Royer podcast. Uh, you know, we just wrapped up this interview with Professor Robert Schiller, Nobel Laureate. So I'm back in the studio here with uh, our radio show co-host, Mark Elliott, and uh, always with Dad here by my side. And, you know, so uh, I, I thought that interview was absolutely awesome. Mark, I'm going to hand this over to you as we're wrapping up this podcast. What struck you guys as maybe gold nuggets that we can take away from this conversation you just had. Yeah, well, the first thing, uh, Mark, would be what his idea of true diversification is. He said it's important to diversify across many different asset classes. Most people think they are diversified because they own, you know, 50 mutual funds or stocks. And, you know, he would say that's not true diversification. True diversification isn't based on the size of the statement that you get. Yeah. I did have a gentleman come in and he said, hey, you know, I'm diversified. And I said, well, how do you know you're diversified? He's like, well, my statement for my broker is 45 pages long. I'm diversified. But if you actually looked at it, here's the thing. When we ran the stress test and the x-ray on his money, what we found is he had a bunch of different things, different mutual funds by different titles. But so many of them were all invested in the exact same thing. So he, it was just like overkill. He had like five mutual funds that all tracked the S&P 500. And they were all invested exactly identical to each other. In the five. They just had five different names. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. So true diversification isn't just what's in the stock market world, but it could mean also in the insurance world or the banking world or alternative investments, not just the stock market world. Another thing he talked about was, you know, about the market being up. And even though it's up, doesn't mean to risk everything you have. And he said, don't over-invest. That just stuck out, those three words. Don't over-invest. Like we talk about with the red, yellow, and green money, just manage your money properly. It diversify across the, the money that has the red risk, you know, the money that doesn't have as much risk, which would be yellow, and the principal protected money, which would be green. You know, so invest in those types of things. But again, um, that would be, you know, over-investing would be like going to the roulette wheel and saying, hey, hey, I heard all that noise over there. Uh, what number it hit? Well, the last number it hit was seven. Oh, I want to take everything and put it on seven because everybody just won on seven. And we mm -hmm. know that's not the case. So you got to be careful about that. Okay. One of the takeaways that I had is he talked about where to get advice. So yes, you can do your own research online, but you should seek out a professional to give you professional advice. And I was shocked by his statistic that he, and when he said only about 1% of people have yeah, a financial advice. Yeah, that was amazing, advisor. wasn't it? 1%. 1%. I would have thought it would be a heck of a lot more than 1% of people having, you know, having a financial mm. advisor. Um, but, uh, you know, something that is newer 
is if people aren't getting their advice from a financial advisor, where are they getting it from? You're getting it from Google. Okay. You know, they go online, they type in something and they get what we call Google slap. Type in the word, just try this and type in the word annuity and you'll probably get 300,000 things. Pop probably up even more screen. than that. You know, it's just crazy. Type in you stock know? and you'll probably get a couple million. Yeah. You know, I found this quote from Professor Schiller, you know, in another, you know, interview that he did. And he said, uh, it, it amazes me how people are often more willing to act based on little or no data than to use data that is a challenge to assemble. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically do your research and then act on it, but don't make, uh, don't make actions on something if you haven't done the research. Don't get Google slapped. Yeah. In, in other words, you know, by not making sure where the info that you're getting, where it came from. Yeah, and another thing that he said was medical progress is extending our lives. So plan on living past the 100. Yeah, I just interviewed Rick Edelman. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Dad. So yep. I just uh, you know, we interviewed him for a podcast, uh, and and he's got one of the biggest registered investment advisory firms in the nation, and he wrote a book, and um, and it was the truth I believe is called the truth of uh, about financial planning, and in that you know, what he said during that interview was shocking to me. He said the exact same thing that Professor Schiller said, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if people who are over sixty five now live to age 120 in the near future. Yeah, he added 20 years to Professor Schiller's, you know, from 100 to 120. Now, Isn't on our amazing? own, when we meet with people, and we'll just talk about this because, Dad, you know, we meet with people each and every day. So, Dad, when people come in, if you were to ask them how long they plan to live, what do you think, when, when you meet with somebody who's listened to us on radio, what do you think they tell you? Well, it's amazing. You talk to somebody that's 70 and they figure, eh, I'm not going to make it past 85. And so if you're building a financial plan for them, you would, yeah, they're, they're telling you don't, you know, don't, don't 15 years is long enough. I'm yeah, not 15 years around. Yeah. You know, so I, I can remember not too long ago and we build plans out to age 100, but I, I can remember not too long ago when somebody said, uh, you know, when I put 95 on a piece of, you know, on, on our spreadsheet and people looked at me like, well, I'm not going to live that long. Well, what if you do? Well, but I'm not, nobody else has lived that long in my family. Exactly the point. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean you shouldn't plan for it. And so here you've got a Nobel Prize winning person and you've got Rick Edelman and us saying plan to over age 100 to make sure that your money lasts as long as you do. You know, you talk a lot on this program about, you know, the, like the stoplights, red, yellow, green. And of course, Nick, you're a big golfer. You think about, ooh, that pin's a red pin. I better hit it in the middle of the green because there's a lot of disaster if I go at it. You can almost look at that about anything. You take more risk, then there's more chance of failure, I suppose. But when it comes to our money, what kind of categories, you know, the red, yellow, green money, what, what products or tools fall under those categories? I'm going to organize this and then we'll go into it. All right. So if you are at a stoplight, what is the bottom most light? The bottom most light would be green. Okay. So you have green, yellow, red as mm-hmm. you're going up. Think about it in financial planning is you want to start by filling the green bucket first. Yeah, your foundation so that regardless of what Washington or Wall Street throws at you, Mark, it's green, it's safe, it's protected, it's going to give you a dependable income stream. Or it's going to protect the money from loss, okay? Mm-hmm. So things that you would fit in here, think about banks have CDs. A government has, uh, you know, government-insured bonds. Insurance company have fixed annuities or indexed annuities. So those are things that are principal protected by an institution, not an individual. That's what makes it green. So social security so falls into that. 
Social security can fall into that. The, the income that it provides, a pension can fall into that. But if it's your investable money that you have that's sitting, that you have invested, that those would be like the CDs or the annuities or, or fixed annuities or things that, of that nature. Bonds, so you, government yeah, so bonds. government-backed bonds. So these are things that, that would be green, we would call it. You fill that up first. And then what you do is once that's filled, uh, to the level you're comfortable with, then you move up to yellow. Now, what's yellow? Well, yellow uh, comes to mind. Uh, something that so often it's not discussed, but to me, uh, makes a lot of sense. Are structured notes? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know that would go into that. Real estate investment trusts could go into the the, the middle, mm-hmm. kind of the protected. But uh, some of these structured notes that are that are out there today, they can return you know seven percent, eight, nine percent in some cases. And again, they're basically short term. But again, you got to watch yourself. You got to look at what you're investing in. But uh, again, it's re- it's not as uh, protected as the foundation, but certainly not as much risk involved as you would as you moved up to the red. Correct, because some of these structured notes are offered through ba- major banks, mm-hmm. and they might say, "Okay, so here's the deal. This is a one-year structured note. It's offered through XYZ major, you know, major bank. And what we might do is we'll pay you a seven percent." Uh, return for this year, so long as the market doesn't collapse more than 30% of where it is right now. Well, that's a pretty big buffer mm-hmm. down. That's a pretty big trigger level if it goes all the way down to 30% before you would start incurring some losses to your principal. And so that's why it's a it's in the middle. It's not principal protected, but it doesn't have as much risk as the roof, which is your risk money, your red money in that, in that flash, that, that stoplight. Your red money would be like your Mutual funds, your mm-hmm. stocks, stocks, okay, your variable annuities, the things that if the market is down 5%, you're going down in some way, shape, or form, you feel it too. And so you just diversify your money across this entire uh, system, red money, yellow money, and green money. And that's what creates what we call a total financial master plan. And that can help really put the odds in your favor. It can help take the emotion out of your financial situation because you know you're diversified across the entire spectrum. And that's the sound that we've come to the end of another podcast. And so, you know, you can always give us a call if you have questions on these things. Uh, You can always give us a call here at the office at 407-960-4052. And you can also check out our website. There's lots of information there. We've got downloads to the first chapter of our book, Diffuse, The Seven Steps of Saving Your 401k and IRA from the IRS. That's a free download. There's uh, access to all of our podcasts, and f- including a whole bunch of free downloads there as well. And you can also get our, our uh, retirement toolkit, which has a whole bunch of information on there. So you can go to group10financial.com. That's group10financial.com. Uh, and you can get all the information there. So again, I want to thank Mark for being here today. Dad, I want to thank you as well. And folks, don't forget, tune in to our next podcast coming up. We're going to have a lot of great podcasts in 2020. So stay tuned to those. And until then, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the On The Money with Jerry and Nick Royer podcast. Catch new episodes every week to discover the latest retirement strategies and tips for retiring well from Jerry and Nick. To subscribe to the podcast, head to onthemoneyshow.com. That's onthemoneyshow.com. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Group 10 Financial and Brookstone Capital Management are independent of each other. The interview with Robert Schiller was not paid for. Robert Schiller is not affiliated with, nor is he endorsing the show, the host, or the firm. All investments are subject to risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. 
Any references to protection benefits, lifetime income, generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Annuities guarantee an income stream which may or may not be sufficient to cover the expenses of the annuitant.